When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Callender. Uh, now coming on to you from Spotify as well, so I'd like, like to welcome in a new listeners uh, from that medium. But uh, quite a bit to talk about in the world of sports this week, as we had a number of developments uh, in the NBA. We also have NHL All-Star Weekend on board, so I'm actually going to delve into quite a bit of hockey today. Uh, we've got some... Uh, pre-Super Bowl hype coming up uh, as Media Week will uh, begin to kick off uh, on Monday for the NFL. Uh, Obviously, there's the afterthought that is the NFL Pro Bowl. Uh, (laughs) That's that's on track. And the worst DFS (laughs) tournament that you can run. Uh, So I'll I'll do that as well. But uh, first, I'm actually going to dive into... uh, an item that I thought was interesting. Maybe it's only interesting to me, but I'm going to talk about it anyway because I like talking about things that interest me. Uh, we're going to talk about the Australian Open women's final between Caroline Wozniacki and Simona Halep. This was an interesting one because you had uh, the number one and number two players in the world from the female tennis side. Neither one had won a major, and they're both known for choking in big moments in majors. So this was an, an inevitable situation where somebody had to win this matchup. So uh, it actually turned out to be a surprisingly good game for those of you who were watching at around 4 in the morning <laughs> East Coast time uh, with this contest. But the uh, uh, match ended up uh, running just under 3 hours in total and Caroline Wozniacki did actually prevail over Halep uh, in terms of uh, uh, winning her first uh, Grand Slam major and overcoming some adversity. So uh, she does get credit. Uh, interesting part about this is that this uh, matchup, not only was it for a first major title for both competitors, it was also for the number one ranking in women's tennis. Obviously, Serena Williams... Uh, is has been out for a number of months now due to uh, obviously being pregnant with her first uh, first child. So obviously she has been in the mix. And the way the point system works with tennis is you got to be able to play in tournaments. So it's one of those professions where injuries, significant time away, 
obviously will drop you from the top of the rankings. And just being around constantly gets you in, into the top five if you can uh, show up, play in major tournaments that count for the uh, that actually count for real points on the tennis circuit. Uh, you know, for the lower ranked players, they got to play in qualifier events that don't really rank them any points. Uh, but if you can play at some of these uh, events where the the top players automatically get entries. Uh, without having to pay their way in, uh, you know, it's it's a system that's designed to basically put you in a hole if you're a journeyman or just starting out, uh, unless you're the next phenom and people st- take care of you outright. So, a uh, bit a bit of a uh, obstacle there. Part of the reason why the Americans have been non-factors on the men's side ever since uh, and- uh, Andre Agassi and Pete Sampras retired because. Again, outside of Andy Roddick, there's been no true American phenom to stand out. And once you have a bunch of journeymen kind of getting in, and because uh, one of the things is, you know, yes, uh, America does have uh, a growing contingent of college players. You know, when you're in college, the universities arrange for all your travel arrangements and whatnot. You don't have an ind- uh, necessarily an individual coach unless you're truly one of the standout players and you have your own staff in addition to uh, your uh, college uh, team. But the colleges organize all of that nonsense. So like the travel arrangement and everything else, once you start out as a pro, basically, you know, you start out from scratch. You not you don't have uh, an individual uh, team or actual uh, trust fund to bank off of. So that's why it's one of those sports, just like golf, where, you know, you kind of need to be coming from money to begin with to get yourself started. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself in a hole real quick. So, anyway, kind of went off on a tangent there. But uh, interesting uh, Australian Open final, uh, to say the least, just to watch it. Uh, the replay, I believe it uh, happened on ESPN, but I believe it's coming up on ABC later today as well. Uh, just uh, for... Uh, general people who uh, did not get to see the action today, uh, unless they're going to show X Games for the umpteenth time, <laughs> Winter X Games, even though we have the Olympics. Anyway, seems like a, a doubling up on the exact same event, but anyway. Uh, in terms of some of the other action uh, that I wanted to get into, uh, you had developments in the NBA All-Star Game with the teams getting selected. Uh we also have major injury news in the NBA that's going to also impact the All-Star game. So going down into uh, the thick of things, uh, here are the All-Star uh, rosters that uh, eventually got settled uh, on. So here are your All-Star rosters for first. We're going to go with Team Steph. So obviously Steph Curry, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, so the Greek Freak. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, Joel Embiid, and James Harden as the starters that were selected on Steph's team. Then for the reserves, Steph picked up uh, Jimmy Butler, Draymond Green, Damian Lillard, Kyle Lowry, Clay Thompson, Carl Anthony Towns, and someone who was probably one of the last people picked, I'm almost positive of this, uh, Al Horford who made this team for reasons that I'm still scratching my head over. Uh, <laughs> I mean, 
Drummond absolutely should be in that spot. There's, there's not, it's not even a question. But anyway, Horford gets in because the Celtics uh, have a great record this year. But man, there's no way <laughs> Horford should be in over some of the other members of the Celtics. Uh, anyway, uh, so going on to Team LeBron. Uh, LeBron selected Anthony Davis. He had DeMarcus Cousins, who we'll get to later. Uh, Kevin Durant, obviously, was his first pick. Uh, he also selected uh, Kyrie Irving on his team. So uh, LeBron uh, and Kyrie will be paired up together again for the All-Star game. And on the reserves, uh, he had uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, Bradley Beal, uh, his teammate Kevin Love, who may or may not be trying to get out of Cleveland, uh, Victor Oladipo of the Pacers, uh, Christoph Porzingis of the Knicks, uh, John Wall of the Wizards, and last but certainly not least, Russell Westbrook, who wanted to make sure that he was not the last player selected because the All-Star Game posters made it look like he was the last player selected on LeBron's team because it was sorted by alphabetical order. Yes, he does pay attention to those things because <laughs> it came up. But, um, yeah, I mean, the way this draft got handled, because, again, uh, the story came out with the NBA that they weren't going to publicize the NBA All-Star draft between uh, LeBron and Steph Curry because uh, officially the story is that the players cannot come to a consensus of if the game should be, uh, the draft should be broadcast or not. My stance is everything else about All-Star Weekend is broadcast, so why is it left up to the players as to whether or not the draft gets uh, promoted? I mean, if someone gets picked uh, later on, then they feel they should be picked on, let them take it out on the game itself. This is the dumbest thing I ever heard of. They're professional athletes. They're playing it at All-Star. It's an honor to be even named as an All-Star. You should be happy enough that you made the All-Star team. Now we got to worry about guys like getting and feeling slighted because they got picked later on in an All-Star game draft with the best of the best because they felt they should have been drafted two rounds earlier. It's ridiculous. But that seems to be the storyline the NBA wants to throw out there because uh, LeBron seemed to tweet that uh, to Steph that they should put it on uh, TV next year. Which, again, seems weak because the NBA put out the statement that will make it seem like, oh, we didn't want to put LeBron and Steph in an impossible position. I mean, again, these are grown men. <laughs> it's, 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 not, it's not as though it's, 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 it's going to be an indictment on your career because you were one of the last people selected for the All-Star game when you got in, probably, if you're that late being picked, you got in as a late reserve because of fan voting or your player voting or the coach uh, uh, coach voting ultimately got you in. I, I mean, this is nonsense, but it is what it is. Uh, based off of the roster composition themselves, again, we're going to get into the Cousins from the outset. LeBron completely dominated uh, the draft here. Uh, Curry's team is full of guards to shoot the ball, but at a certain point, uh, you know, there's only, there's only so many shots to go around. Uh, I mean, there's, uh, again, only so many shots to go around. I mean, 
you look at it, Steph, Clay, Harden. Uh, you you you've got you've got the Rosen in there. A lot of shots uh, to go through uh, uh, with these guys. I mean, I'm sure you could you could play Lowry uh, and the Roses together. Maybe that's what Steph was thinking. That is like you know we pair up the guards together and then you use Lillard to stretch it. See, I'm now I'm apl- trying to apply strategy and logic to an All Star selection when no one plays any defense. Uh, regardless, uh, LeBron has the uh, the better overall players on his team, and he had the front court presence. Now, getting back to what I was alluding to, that was until last night. In last night's game against the Rockets and Pelicans, I excuse me, I was actually in full on rant mode uh, during the fourth quarter of this game because the Pelicans had a huge lead. Throughout, they were up by as many as 17 points. Uh, Houston chopped it down to 10 in the fourth quarter. Got it all the way down and then tied the game before uh, the Pelicans uh, started pulling back away. And then let Houston back into this game. It, like, like I said, it was going back and forth the entire way through. Uh, to the point where uh, DeMarcus Cousins was at the line with a four-point lead trying to ice the game. Uh, was about to attempt his second free throw. Missed the free throw. Try to go for a hustle play to get uh, get the rebound, and all of a sudden collapses to the floor. And watching uh, what happened, it didn't look good because it was a non-contact injury. He didn't hit anyone, and the diagnosis came back. What people were afraid of is that he blew out his Achilles tendon uh, uh, on his uh, left uh, left Achilles tendon, and obviously is done for the year. Uh, Obviously, this has major implications. Now, I'm not talking about, uh, I mean, obviously, the All-Star game is the All-Star game. But I'm talking about the fact that uh, DeMarcus Cousins was in the middle of a career year with uh, the Pelicans and uh, pairing up with Anthony Davis. And he's in his walk year. So, he was going to be a free agent at the end of the season. And now, New Orleans has an entire predicament to figure out. And they don't have a lot of time to do it. Uh, you've got uh, DeMarcus Cousins as a free agent, uh, who's was most likely going to test the market. And you also have a Pelicans team that needs to figure out how they're going to retain Anthony Davis as their star player when their gamble was to trade assets to acquire Boogie Cousins in the first place. And so even though it hadn't worked out great this year, and I had a number of issues with uh, New Orleans style of play being too limited to just solely relying on those two players and Rondo getting them the basketball. Uh, you know, there's a there's a uh, a huge issue now with New Orleans trying to figure out what to do with this squad because there are two ways to go about it. First way is being brave and kind of confronting uh, that you need to f- sign people around Anthony Davis uh, and do whatever it takes, no matter what. And the second is, you just blow the thing up and you start trading uh, assets like Anthony Davis to reload the the squad because you don't think you can uh, uh, bring anyone into the picture. So I'll dive into exactly what that would entail uh, for both uh, arguments. The long and short of it is, is that the Pelicans are in... The sixth spot in the West, uh, six games over 500, so they're 27-21. Problem is, is that sixth 
ain't going to really do much. So uh, there, uh, there are only two games ahead of the eighth, uh, eighth uh, seed, uh, Denver. And, you know, outside looking in, the only team that's uh, really a threat to them would be uh, the Clippers. And the Clippers have been a dumpster fire as well, given their injuries, but they're getting healthier. So that's the one team that could actually make a run to uh, uh, to actually uh, take a playoff spot away for the Pelicans. But here's, here's the problem, is that, you know, the Pelicans were already thin. They were thin because they made the trade for Cousins last year. Uh, they don't really have much in terms of depth at the front court position, and especially not to replace a guy who gets you 25 and 10. Yes, you have Anthony Davis, but Anthony Davis, yes, he he's done the role before, but at least before you had some front court swing players. Uh, Drew Holiday is more of a shoot-first guard. Uh, Rajon Rondo is a pass-only point guard who can't shoot. He can get you some points, but he ain't getting you uh, 10 points consistently a night. So you need to find points from elsewhere. And the other problem is that defensively, they're not good unless those two are playing together. So Cousins and Davis kind of lock down uh, uh, the interior, and most teams just uh, try to drain threes to beat New Orleans. Now, if uh, uh, Davis has to do it alone, that makes it a lot harder defensively for that team to actually keep teams out of the paint. And they're just not... They don't score enough. I mean, they... uh, they're not going to score enough. I, I mean, they average 108 points a game, which is good for uh, being uh, sixth in the league. But that's with those two together. Without uh, Boogie, they're probably at best a 99-point uh, team, at best. They're probably going to be less than 100 uh, significantly. But at best, uh, if uh, Anthony Davis can up his scoring output, Maybe they can get to 99, but I, I just don't see them being able to put up 100 points a game. Now, the organization is under a mandate this year to, that they needed to make the playoffs uh, because they've, they've made the gamble uh, to trade Buddy Heal and a number of other players to get Boogie in there. So they're, uh, Alan Gentry's got a problem on his hands. He's got to figure out a way of getting this team to play better defense without his second-best player uh, the rest of the way. Uh, going so they got to figure out a way of staving off uh, the Clippers and uh, first and foremost they got to figure out what the long-term solution is because Anthony Davis is also a free agent after the 2019 season so next year they're they got to figure out who's going to be partnered with him and you know as it stood they were going to offer Cousins a five-year 170 maybe $175 million deal. Maybe they could have gotten it up to 180 as a max contract, but that that was going to be the top of it because uh, Boogie is in his uh, seventh year in the league, and because the Kings traded him uh, to the Pelicans, Boogie wasn't uh, eligible for the Supermax extension that uh, some other players have gotten uh, for the additional year because... Uh, the Kings were his original team, so he couldn't get the extension for the $200 million contract that some other guys have gotten, like John Wall. So, you know, Boogie was always susceptible to be taken in free, uh, taking a free agency by another uh, 
ba- uh, basketball club, which is why New Orleans was such a in a uh, precarious position. Now, what uh, New Orleans can try to do, and like I said, this is going to be the incredibly brave part because it is a lot of money you're asking. New Orleans can still offer Boogie the five-year, $175 million to $180 million deal regardless of uh, the timetable for his injury. So if you try to lock him down now rather than try to wait this game out to the offseason, you give him something to think about because, again, this injury is negatively going to impact his free agency prospects. But there could be teams looking to add him regardless and willing to take that risk. If I'm New Orleans, I'm thinking that they need to be proactive and beat the other teams to the punch by offering the deal. Because it's hard, it's hard to look past a $180 million deal when you're going through physical therapy and rehab. So, that's the brave portion. It's just a lot of money to offer up. And that's still not a guarantee that Anthony Davis is going to want to stick around next year with a recovering Boogie Cousins. And not necessarily a guarantee that the rest of the supporting cast of the Pelicans uh, are significantly improved. Because, you know, right now, at best... They would have been the sixth seed uh, with those two playing together. I'm not sure that's a tremendous selling point for a guy that's about to head into a walk year the way Davis is. So, you know, it could it could still backfire by going down to uh, uh, this uh, showing a brave front route. But on the flip side, here's what New Orleans left with, which is not an appeasing option. Cousins walks uh, to another club, and uh, maybe he does or doesn't get a five-year deal, but you lose him out anyway because I think in free agency, he's going to pick the team with the best option of winning now. I think if you offer him the money up front now while he's rehabbing, that gives him more of an incentive to just stay the course with New Orleans regardless of Anthony Davis's situation. Now you're uh, in a position where you have at least a little bit more uh, – leverage with David to say, hey, we made a commitment. Can you make a commitment to us? So, that's the line of thinking. The other way New Orleans can go, and this is very well possible if ownership gets involved, is that if they decide that they need to blow things up and fire Gentry and uh, uh, overhaul their GM and want to start over again, that would require trading Anthony Davis at the end of the season and maximizing whatever they can get in terms of draft picks and players to reload this squad. Now, whether that team ends up being, it could be any number of destinations, like the the Lakers, uh, although people seem to think that the Paul George thing is a lock, I'm still not sold on uh, the Lakers just because of the numerous issues uh, L.A. has. But, you know, there are so many teams that, have question marks this year that none of them could really offer that much in way of prospects. In my opinion, I, I just think that when you have someone as talented as Anthony Davis, yes, even though his injury history is something that should give any GM pause at the end of the day, you can't replace that. So we're trying to trade Anthony Davis at the conclusion of the season uh, before his walk year next year is just death for that franchise because again it's hard to attract free agents uh down there 
unless you have a winning product, and they haven't had a winning product in quite some time. So, for New Orleans, my think line of thing is that you kind of have to stay the course. You got to figure out a way of extending Boogie Cousins while he's injured, uh, so he doesn't hit the free agency market. Because I I still bank on someone willing to take the risk and sign him to a five-year, $180 million deal. And if I'm Cousins, I'm looking at my options saying, you know, I could stay in a spot where they didn't offer me the money up front until someone else did. You know, what does that really say about the ownership group and how committed they are to me? And are they even committed uh, to Anthony Davis? Because he could be on the move uh, just as quickly. So uh, that's the way I kind of lean towards it. Uh, I'm going to move into the fantasy aspect for the NBA. Uh, in terms of pickups, you can take a look at. I would uh, say that uh, given the injury news again with Kawhi Leonard uh, being sidelined again uh, due to his injury uh, uh, earlier this year with the quad injury reoccurring, you know, it's hard to bank on the Spurs. Uh, doing much of anything this year but a couple of guys from fantasy perspective you can take a look at uh first Kyle Anderson uh he's been playing the front court uh, quite a bit uh you know not too uh, not too much awe-inspiring numbers uh but he barely he doesn't even play 30 minutes a game so that's to be expected so he's been averaging uh just under 10 points a game six rebounds uh three assists uh he's He's been uh, jumping up the rankings with Leonard out, so he's starting to get the minutes and the volume, so uh, that's someone to keep an eye out for. And also on the Spurs is DeJounte Murray. And Murray is the guy who has supplanted Tony Parker's, and I mean, this is this is an epic reign, but it's about 16 years on the point for Tony Parker. Uh, it's crazy when you think about it, but it's... It's really been that long since he's been playing point guard in the league. Uh, but he supplanted Tony Parker as the starting point guard on the Spurs. Uh, you know, it's been not great, but it's it's something. I mean, he's been about 13 points, 7 boards, 5 assists a game. Uh, and he uh, shoots, uh, shoots from a decent percentage from 3 as it stands right now. So... Uh, Murray is going to get you points from a fantasy perspective. And with uh, Kawhi still injured due to the calf, uh, you're going to see more appearances from both Murray and Anderson going forward for the Spurs. So uh, definitely something to keep an eye out for. Uh, another pickup would be Jerry and Grant on the Bulls. Uh, the starting point guard, Chris Dunn's been uh, injured uh, since he had a concussion back on about 10 days ago against the Wizards. Uh, you know, Grant's uh, another player, been solid, 12 points a game, 7 assists, 4 boards, and, you know, averaging about 2 three-pointers a game. Uh, that's solid numbers to be starting in your lineup. So uh, that's uh, in the, my recommendation of uh, players to uh, target. Now, uh, moving on, uh, just because uh, ready at the half-hour mark, uh, Coming up on the half hour mark uh, for the show today, uh, we're gonna switch gears over. To- so, going to the NHL side of things, it is All Star Weekend for the NHL, and 
basically wanted to kind of go through a recap of the season thus far. And, you know, overall, it's been a mixed bag kind of a year for the NHL. And it, and I say that because some of the teams that you would have expected to be, you know, hot coming into the All-Star break just have been complete flameouts. And now I'm sp- specifically talking about the Edmonton Oilers with Connor McDavid. That has been one of the biggest, if not the biggest disappointment, I'd say, in uh, the entire NHL this year, just because of the standpoint of Canada is so desperate for the next big star outside of Crosby because Crosby plays for the Penguins. And as much as can, the Canadian uh, people of Canada want to cheer on Sidney Crosby, it is harder for uh, Canadians in general to cheer for an American team, even if they're led by a Canadian player, than it is for a Canadian-based team with a Canadian superstar winning the cup. And that means so much more to them than anything else. So that's why it's bitterly disappointing for a number of folks uh, to see, uh, and I'm saying Montreal, uh, to see Edmonton struggle this much. If Conor McDavid played in Montreal and they stunk this bad, I mean, it'd be a national debacle. Edmonton, yes, they care about, not nearly as much as Montreal. Montreal has its own issues where... Uh, the Habs have been so terrible that, uh, you know, the season's basically over. But uh, the long and short of it is that the top team in the league thus far this year has been the Tampa Bay Lightning with a healthy Steven Stamkos, which, of course, was not the case last year uh, with Stamkos and knee injury. And that really uh, deprived the Lightning of the season that they were planning to have with them. I mean, Durant gave him a, a bit of a spark, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, Stamkos not being fully fit was a, a big issue last year. Uh, and, you know, obviously him being back on board this year, it's turned a number of things around. Uh, the movement of uh, uh, just getting Vasilevsky in, in the mix, Ben Bishop no longer being there. Uh, get it, getting uh, resources. I mean, in terms of the overall t- team, I still look at Tampa and I say it's a they've had a great start to the year. I'm not sold on them just yet as the uh, team in the East. I still think that belongs to the Penguins. Uh, so uh, just doing the breakdown of the Eastern Conference standings, we'll get to the West uh, in a moment. But right now you got Tampa on top with uh, 71 points. And right behind Tampa, in terms of uh, the points on the 71, uh, you have Boston at 66 points. Boston's on a, an 18-game undefeated streak. Uh, well, not a, not 18-game, but 18-game uh, point streak. Boston's won five in a row, so they're 14-0-4, uh, so four being overtime losses, so they got a point out of all those games. But needless to say, Boston's been on such a ridiculous streak right now based off of uh, the play of uh, Tuka Rask and Net, and also the fact that their young defensemen, led by Charlie McAvoy, they've been they've been doing some work. Uh, Boston's one of those teams where they legitimately have a shot in the playoffs uh, this year just because they got speed, uh, they can score, uh, Brad Mar- uh, you know, as much as you hate 
well, I hate Marchand just just for a number of reasons because he's a dirty player. But he puts the puck in the back of the net, uh, and you always uh, have Bercher on there, who's a contender for the Selkie every year, is uh, the best defensive forward. Boston can slow down the game. They can stop uh, pucks from going in the net. Uh, they've uh, uh, they've given up the, uh, I believe, they're, yeah, they're still in, uh, uh, giving up the fewest goals in the league with 116. It's hard to score on them. I know they haven't played as many games as some of the other teams, but uh, that goals against it, it ain't going to change a whole lot. Uh, uh, you know, they keep the puck out of the back of the net. It's it's tough to get, uh, get them past Boston. I, I mean, they're giving up less than three goals a game. It's a tough group to play against with those defensemen. That's why they're going to be in the mix uh, come playoff time because if you're going to go up against uh, Pittsburgh – you gotta figure out a way of slowing down uh, Crosby and Malkin, and uh, Boston has the the horses to do it. They're, they're young enough; uh, they they can get engaged and cause some problems. Now, in third, in the uh, and of course it's it's wonky because of the playoff structure. Uh, the third in the Atlantic Division, I, I should say. Uh, I'll get to the Metro, but the third in the Atlantic division would be Toronto. Uh, Toronto's, uh, you know, up and coming. That should be an interesting series against Boston uh, just because of the wonkiness of the NHL system. Boston and Toronto seem to be on a collision course with each other, regardless of who finishes up and uh, unless Tampa has a meltdown and doesn't win uh win the Atlantic and the Eastern Conference outright, which I'd be shocked by. Uh, it should be a collision course between t- Boston and Toronto for the playoff spot. Nobody else in the Atlantic's even close. Uh, Detroit's a non-factor. Montreal's a non-factor, as I mentioned. Florida's a dumpster fire, which I'll get into as well, uh, along with Ottawa. And, I mean, Buffalo, the less said, the better. I mean... Buffalo's been through enough as it is. I'm not going to pile on them, but uh, that 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 whole regime needs a complete overhaul uh, with the Sabers, just because they, they've they can't get it right, even when they have the draft picks, and it's it's borderline asinine at this stage that Buffalo uh, has remained as bad as they've been with the amount of draft picks they've been uh, given in uh, in in the last five years alone. Uh, but uh, you know. As it stands, it, it, it comes it kind of comes down to how things shape up in the Metro. But uh, uh, Boston and Toronto should be in the mix uh, easily just because of how weak the Atlantic is this year. Uh, things are quite a different story in the Metro. Uh, you got Washington with 63 points uh, leading the way. But that could easily change just because of how competitive the Metro has been. The Caps haven't really looked that great, to be honest. But... Neither is anyone else, uh, for that matter. I mean, Columbus is second in the Metro, and I'm not even remotely impressed by Columbus because Columbus uh, struggles to score. Uh, They've given up more goals than they've actually scored this year, which is never a good sign for a playoff team. I mean, if you look at Boston and uh, Tampa, Boston's plus 40, Tampa's plus 50 in goal differential. uh, That's really high. Usually uh, for a playoff team, you're somewhhere in the mid twenties, uh, low thirties. Uh, it's just because of how bad the Atlantic's been 
Tampa and Boston separate themselves uh, that mightily that that's why it's that dramatic of a shift. Uh, in the Metro, Washington's only plus 12 in goal differential. Uh, Holtby hasn't had a great year at all by his standards. Uh, it's been pretty blah, uh, to say the least. I expect him to get it going in the second half of the year uh, to manage the situation. Uh, you got Columbus uh, in there with uh, seven points. Like I said, Columbus doesn't really score a ton, so that's why they're in the spot they're in. Uh, you got Pittsburgh with 57 points. Uh, you know, they've been uh, just blasé is the best way I can describe it as. Uh, you know, play well at home, not so much on the road. The goal differential shows that they're negative right now. Uh, Pittsburgh's got over 150 goals this year. They are going to continue to score goals. I expect them to pick it up in the second half once the games uh, really start tightening up. That's when you'll start seeing Crosby, Malkin, Shine. Uh, you still have uh, Phil Kessel in the mix. Uh, the Penguins are going to be there in the playoffs. Uh, that's almost a lock, in my opinion, uh, that uh, Pittsburgh is either going to end up winning the Metro or coming in second place. Uh, I, I just don't see any other team making much of a difference. And then in the wild card spots, you've got uh, New Jersey and Philadelphia both have 56 points. And then a log jam uh, right behind them because you've got the Rangers at 55 and the Islanders at 55. Now, l- let's dive into the numbers here. The Devils got off into an incredibly hot start uh, with uh, Miko Hershire and uh, just being the number one overall pick. And Taylor Hall's had a great year for the Devils. No getting around that. problem with the Devils is, uh, you know, it's a very shallow uh, front-line group, and the defense isn't nearly as good as it's been in years past. Uh, Corey Snyder's bailed that team out a ton of situations, and yet still, they've given up almost 150 goals that's not a good look at this stage and uh schneider's been playing well that that's the troubling part with the devils where i don't see the devil staying in the mix but they weren't expected to do much this year philly on the other hand you know it's always come down to this and they, they've played well as of late they they they've won eight out of their last 10 so they've been playing better but again the issue with Philly is the fact that they don't have any goaltending. And it's been an ongoing issue with the Flyers that they haven't had any goaltending. And it's it is the fact that <laughs> Fraud Hextall is uh, still operating as a GM and still can't get a goaltender. I mean, uh, the Brian Elliott uh, trade has not worked out at all. I mean, the Flyers bailed out uh, Calgary with that trade. And, you know, it just hasn't been there. The goaltending has not been there for Philly uh, at all. Uh, you know, considering what they actually need from Elliott, they need him to be solid and not implode. And, you know, too many times uh, he's imploded against what I wouldn't consider exactly stellar competition. So, uh, you know, overall numbers... Uh, Phillies look better than uh, than their record would suggest because they've they've played a number of teams in the Atlantic, so that's also helped their defensive numbers. But their schedule actually ramps up harder with more games it within the Metro. 
that's not a good sign for Philly. Uh, but, you know, as it uh, kind of stands, they're, they're in the mix for the playoffs. It's just that I, I don't really see a whole lot uh, going uh, Philly's way out, outside of that. I mean, Philly's got a ton of games coming up in the Metro uh, in the second half of the year. They've played the West uh, for the most part. Uh, you know, they got to start taking care of business uh, uh, within the Eastern Conference. Otherwise, they're going to find themselves on the outside looking in. Then we come to my New York Rangers. And, you know, I'm not going to have a popular take on the Rangers. Uh, You know, I get that. But, you know, people think the Rangers have underachieved this year. I actually have the opposite opinion. I think the Rangers are doing exactly what I expected them to do, which is barely hang around in an Eastern Conference picture. And then we're going to have to figure out what we're going to do. Because the Rangers still don't have a number one center. I mean, they traded Stepan, which was a good thing in my opinion. Because he's a number one, uh, he's paid like a number one center, but is a number two center. Absolutely. In no, uh, no sense of the word, he's he going to change. And, you know, I mean, honestly, the Rangers are, are kind of a victim of circumstance. Because the Biggest moves in the offseason that were made were Florida screwing up uh, the expansion draft by somehow putting up two of their best young players available for selection by Vegas because they didn't want to pay them. Uh, I mean, there almost has to be an investigation into Florida how they operate because Jonathan Marshall should have never been available for the expansion draft. And I'm kind of pissed off that... Uh, Vegas got to select him and, and not a team like the Rangers that we would have easily given up uh, draft picks for. I, I don't I don't understand how that logic even happened because Marshall is having a career year, just got a six-year extension for not a huge ton of money. I mean, he's making seven mil, but, you know, there are guys making eight, uh, eight mil in this league. So that's a very reasonable contract. And it's because Florida screwed up horribly with uh, the expansion draft. So, with that being said, the Rangers need a number one center. They don't have anyone. And they're not going to get anyone at the trade deadline. Because the only other team that can actually trade them a number one center is the Islanders. And the Islanders actually think they can make the playoffs and keep John Tavares. Which is a pipe dream, but... Be that as it may, the Islanders actually think that this Belmont deal, uh, because obviously, uh, for those of you not paying attention, uh, the Islanders play in the worst arena in the NHL, by far, in the Barclays Center, which was not designed for hockey, cannot properly cool the surface for hockey, and has terrible viewing angles that block uh, the viewership of uh, spectators all over the place, so people just don't go to the Barclays Center. Especially not Islanders fans because they're all on Long Island and coming into Brooklyn is at least an hour trip in and they don't care enough about this team to actually show up to games. That's the long and short of it. They want the games out in Long Island. The ownership group has badly misjudged their uh, their attractive appeal to their own fan base and that's why they have the lowest attendance in the league even though they are in the same conference as Carolina which doesn't have any remote uh, chance of attracting the kind of players that 
the Islanders should be able to attract. With that being said, the Islanders have a combo of Anders Lee and John Tavares, which is one of the highest scoring combos in the league, bar none. Anders Lee is a, is a future star in the making. The problem is, is that the far, Tavares is in the walk year and he's Canadian. And there are a number of Canadian teams that need a number one center, and Tavares could be making excess of $8 million a year. He's currently making $5.5 million with the Islanders. It doesn't take a rocket science to figure out that the Islanders are going to have to pay up to, uh, to keep Tavares. And they still have not been able to finalize the deal yet. This is not a situation where it was Stamkos last year where Tampa had an inside track because there's no sales tax. Uh, in, uh, uh, I'm saying sales tax, no income tax in Florida. So you have an inherent advantage that you're going to make more money down there. Tavares, he's going to make the same uh, uh, same money in New York as he would elsewhere, and maybe even less uh, compared to Canadian taxes and, uh, and exchange rates. I mean, as it stands, you know, you got teams that are willing to pay up for Tavares, and the Isles still haven't gotten a deal done yet. If the Islanders can't get a deal done before the trade deadline for Tavares, they have to trade him. Now, they would not, even though it would make the most sense for them uh, in terms of draft picks and whatnot to trade up to the Rangers, there's no way they would actually entertain that thought. And the Rangers fans who keep saying that Tavares is going to be available to us, I don't think they quite are seeing the bigger picture and that the Islanders are not going to be one up by the Rangers in any circumstance. They would rather lose out on uh, potential uh, better draft picks just to make sure the Rangers don't get over on them, in their opinion, in terms of the local fan base because of how much of a disaster Brooklyn has been. So the Rangers are stuck in a spot where they can't trade for anyone because the one of the trades that they could have made, Ottawa already made with Nashville, which was the Kyle Turris trade, to send uh, Turris over to uh, Nashville. And, uh, you know, Duchesne ended up going... Uh, to Ottawa. So those are two setters that went out of the way there. And, you know, outside of that, it's just been, it's been a mess for the Rangers. I mean, the attractive targets that Rangers could have gone after for uh, trades or setters just didn't happen. And there's not really a whole lot uh, in terms of of, uh, potential trade opportunities with the Rangers in terms of, uh, Number one line centers. They, they don't grow on trees. So, again, the Rangers are stuck in a spot where we're not horrible, but we're not good enough to break through anywhere. So, to, to me, the Rangers only have one option to do, and it's not going to be a popular choice. The Rangers have to play this year out and start playing their younger uh, st- uh, starters, in particular their center. So, uh, yeah, Philip Chittle and uh, Leah Anderson are down in AHL in Hartford. They need to be brought up to the main roster. And they need to be playing at center. They have to learn trial by fire style. And they're going to make mistakes. And they're probably going to cost us games. And we will probably fall out of the playoff picture entirely. But it's better for the Rangers long term to develop now. And be better uh, and more well suited for next year. 
even though you've got uh, uh, you got uh, an aging uh, Henrik Lundqvist as well, this, the truth of the matter is, is that the Rangers do not have the horses this year to compete with the other teams uh, in the East. Uh, and yeah, the East is better than the West this year. There's no question on that. But you got to get to the West and you got to get through the Metro uh, just to even get to the uh, Atlantic and the Eastern Conference Final. Uh, which, uh, and again, the Atlantic has the two uh, strongest teams in the East right now. But getting through the Metro, that's a, a task in and of itself because you're likely uh, going to have to either go through a draw where, okay, maybe you luck out and you get, uh, you have to go through Tampa, and that's the lucky draw. Is if you get the, if is if you get the uh, draw where. You only go through Tampa, and then you try try to play whoever else is left in the Atlantic, which again, not a not an easy task because the top four, you know, I mean, well, actually, it's really top three. Uh, The wild cards go to the Metro, but it's like the top three are all really dangerous clubs, so it's a tough matchup. Plus, uh, in the Metro, if you go, most likely you're either gonna get Washington. Or the Pens at some point, either the first or second round. You're looking at long odds where the Rangers don't do the things that they need to be able to do to win those matchups in a seven-game series. It's just, you know, a situation where the Rangers defensively aren't where they need to be. Shattenkirk's uh, been playing injured the entire year, you know, it with the MCL tear. I mean... It was the right move to sign him in the offseason. I wasn't uh, as gung-ho about it, but looking at how much uh, McDonough has fallen off, he's 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 been back healthy and he's played better as of late, but seeing how McDonough's play has fallen off in the first half of the year has given me a great pause about the Rangers' overall defense uh, because we're relying a ton on Shade uh, this year. You know, I just don't see where... The Rangers have the strength and their depth, which should have been one of their strengths uh, defensively. It's not there. The defensive depth is not there. Uh, you got young players like uh, Camford, D'Angelo that need playing time. You need to start rotating guys out uh, of the lineup like Stahl. You're only holding yourself back from developing the future. Yes, I know Henrik Lundqvist is getting up there in age, but the Rangers have far past the point where, uh, you know, Hank is going to lead us to a title. We have to lead Hank to a title and hope that he's not too far past his prime to actually hold down the fort and make sure we can win a uh, win a cup. But if in order to even get close to a cup run, we actually have to bolster our frontline strength, and we're not going to get that in the trade just because there aren't a ton of options available uh, for the Rangers uh, this. Uh, upcoming uh, trade deadline. I mean, it's really thin in terms of the center position at this stage of the game. I mean, at this stage, when you're looking at it, guys like Rick Nash, Nash should be dealt to the, before the deadline. There's no question about that. I mean, I've been doing the hashtag trade Nash uh, in text and messages uh, for a good two weeks now. Uh, Nash has picked his game up. He's, he's looking ripe and ready to go because uh, he's – He's scoring at a clip which actually would put him near 30 goals, which is be the first time in ages that he's uh, come 
even within sniffing distance of 30. I, I was saying 25 would be a godsend for the Rangers, and he's uh, already up at 15. But, you know, as it stands, Nash is an unrestricted free agent and a walk year. Grabner's an unrestricted free agent, and Grabner's been playing out of his mind. But the problem is, is that the Rangers didn't sign him to an extension last year. They wanted to have this be a prove-it year. And Grabner has proved it that he's a 30-goal scorer in this league. The problem is that the Rangers don't have centers uh, that can be relied upon to really get this thing moving in a direction where we have a viable option of uh, being contenders here, which is why the Rangers should be looking to try to, I wouldn't say necessarily blow it up, but you gotta, you got to get draft picks and you got to get younger. you got to get talent in here that maybe can mesh well enough together because between Hayes, Miller, and Kreider, Kreider's out with the blood clot. You don't know if he's coming back this year. And even if he does come back this year, he wouldn't have been able to train because of the blood clot. You've got way too many questions that don't have answers to them. But the one answer I do have for the Rangers is that they ain't winning the cup this year. And as much as it pains me as a season ticket holder, it is it is the reality of the situation. You're not winning the cup this year, and you know, I'm I'm kind of t- done with being a team that's just there in the postseason that I don't have a legitimate uh, thought that would actually make a difference in the playoffs. It's kind of uh, deflating in a way that Hank Lundqvist uh, is playing out uh, this string that it, uh, uh, the way that he is because this is the best hockey he's played in years. And, you know, might have actually made a difference in the playoff run, but we don't have the horses this year to, to really get to the playoffs uh, outside of maybe a wild card spot, which, again, is kind of a kiss of death in, in the way the NHL playoffs are structured now because a wild card spot just means you're playing a top a team uh, uh, either in the Metro or in the Atlantic, and it's, it's just not a good fit. I mean, the old system... Yeah, the Rangers would have been a, a six or a seven seed. You might have been able to finagle something out of that, but, you know, not now. This is not the situation you want to monkey around in. You need, if you need to retool your squad, retool your squad. And the Rangers have hit that tipping point where the retools needed. So, as much as I love the players on this team, you know, it's time to start thinking beyond because, again, McDonough's getting up there. His play hasn't been quite where uh, it needs to be, and you know, it's 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 not a it's not a great uh, it's not a great time to be a Rangers fan. But you know, I, I I think you gotta be honest with yourself and just say that you know making a ridiculous trade to make the playoffs is not in the best interest of the, of the team at this point. And I think, uh, you know, it seems like the Rangers brass may be finally coming around to it this year. Uh, I'll be sold on it when it actually happens because I still think that uh, Dolan uh, still has enough influence on uh, uh, Sather and uh, now the new GM, uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff Gordon, that we could still have a ridiculous trade come down the pike line, but... You know, it doesn't really seem to uh, uh, cater to our best interests. Uh, and I think they need to start reining in uh, Elaine Vigneault to uh, force themselves 
uh, into a spot where they have to play younger players and namely rookies. So I want to see Chittle up. I want to see Anderson up. I want to see him up sometime in February uh, just so they have a good month to work in an NHL season and get ourselves ready for next year. Because, again, I, I just don't see the playoffs happening for the Rangers. If you want a stat that shows how ridiculous the Rangers season has been, Henrik Lundqvist is on pace to lead NHL goalie for games played with 70 games played this year. He's going to be 36 years old uh, in about, a, I think it's about two weeks. This is insane. <laughs> Utterly insane that Lundqvist is playing this many games because, again... He should be getting more rest for the playoff. The Rangers have been burning themselves to the bone to even stay in the playoff hunt this year, which is all the more reason why they need to pull themselves out of it. And I just look at this situation and saying that, you know, we can get a ton of assets for Grabner. As much as I would like to resign him, that kind of that chip had has sailed uh, for an extension. There are too many teams that are going to be interested in him now. You got to get assets now because you're not making a run with these guys. It's just not going to happen. They've been playing playing well up to now, but to me, this is not an underachieving team. This team has been, if anything, overachieving on the offensive end, underachieving defensive end, and definitely overachieving on the goalie side of things. Uh, just because the expectation shouldn't be shouldn't be the same for Henrik Lundqvist in the past. He's still paid seven million dollars, but I mean. 35 going on 36. I mean, the, the, these are the, these are the years where we were supposed to be eating, eating, and kind of like kind of shaking our heads about that contract. Not saying, oh hey, he's he's gonna be leading the league in so many goalie categories, which is insane. It's it's and not in a good way. It's more like this cannot continue for uh, much longer. The wheels are gonna fall off, and the Rangers gotta brace themselves for when they do. So. Uh, sadly, as a Rangers fan, uh, we got to go through a full rebuild. Uh, well, hopefully not a full rebuild. Maybe it can be a Yankees-like rebuild where someone does something stupid and gives us uh, a ton of players. Kind of like what the Marlins did or Florida did. Actually, you know what? It's a bad time for Florida sports in general. So uh, that's uh, what I see there on the Eastern Conference. I want to get into the West and, you know, the story of the year has been the Vegas Golden Knights. I talked about Florida giving away Marshall Salt for nothing. Vegas has a ton of players that are overachieving. And, you know, they lead the West in points with 68. They got a chance to make a run here in the playoffs because I don't see anyone outside of Nashville and maybe Winnipeg. Just because Winnipeg has enough young players uh, with uh, Patrick Laine and uh, Blake Wheeler. Winnipeg's got a shot to make some noise in the playoffs. Uh, but, you know, I don't really see a ton of these teams doing all that much in the Western Conference. Uh, it, to me, it's kind of a lukewarm year because Chicago's gotten old. Minnesota's had injuries uh, this year. They they haven't been able to pick up their play. Colorado's been playing out of their minds, but, I, you know, Colorado was one of the worst teams in the league last year. I got to think they're going to fall out of it eventually. Uh, Dallas is meh. St. Louis, same deal. Kind of meh. It just n- nothing overly impressive about some of these Western Conference teams. L.A. 
again, similar story where LA kind of needs to do a refresh themselves. They're they're getting a little long in the tooth. Uh, Calgary has always been kind of underachieving, but they're in the mix now because some of these teams are starting to fall off. And in San Jose, you know, kind of a weird situation where San Jose's been in it, but not really in it. It's like they're kind of coasting. And Anaheim's still in the mix. But one team that's definitely not going to be in the mix, Edmonton. Edmonton should have been dominating the Western Conference this year. They haven't had it from an offensive standpoint, and they definitely have not been together on a defensive standpoint. They've left Cam Talbot out to dry more times than I can count this year from a metric standpoint. They've been awful uh, defensively in their own zone. Uh, So Edmonton's a, a bitter disappointment. I mean, Arizona's showing no signs of improvement. They, I mean, they were going to be bad this year, but I don't think anyone expected them to be this terrible uh, this year. I mean, 12 wins on the year is just, it's inexcusable. You, you should not be that bad. Uh, I mean, they'll prop up uh, some of these teams that out West, but eventually the, ske- the schedule's going to start shifting. You're going to see some of these Western Conference teams fall out of it, which is why I think Vegas is in a, position where they've got a ton of draft picks as an expansion team because they traded a bunch of players uh, from that expansion draft uh, to acquire those draft picks because they were expected to be a terrible team and you know lo and behold enough NHL teams screwed up uh, the expansion draft rosters that were set I mean the Rangers gave up a center in Oscar Lindbergh which would have been a perfect checking line center and you know then traded Stepan I mean might as well let step on walk in the expansion draft, but uh, you know I'm, I gotta let these things go. Uh, so as it stands, Vegas is in a prime position. That's one of those destinations where Nash or Grabner are gonna fetch a ton of assets. Vegas needs to add some more firepower to their offensive roster, and they more have a, more or less have a mandate to their fan base in Vegas, where you know you're trying to grow an audience. You're in the thick of things in the playoffs. They're going to want you to see make some moves. So uh, Jordan McVeigh, the GM for the, uh, the Golden Knights, is in a spot where he kind of has to make a move. The Rangers have players to uh, to deal. Vegas should be a destination that the Rangers would be in co- contact with. If they're not, I'm going to be ticked, uh, ticked off. Uh, uh, not in a slice, in a big way. Because, again, you go where there's need. And Vegas needs some more frontline players to make a deep run of the playoffs. They, they've been getting by with uh, uh, the players that they do have, but they're going to need some more extra wingers, and the Rangers have that. We, we can definitely uh, entertain that offer. Now, would I necessarily be wanting to move on from guys like Matt Zuccarello? No, I love Zuc. And it's like I'm not saying to trade away the entire roster, but what I am saying is that if you get the chance to make a move, that's going to get you some young players in return. You got to let some of these guys go. And, you know, I, I, I can't stress it enough where you can't be so tied to established veterans where, you know, you're not, you're not ever going to make it. Cause that's, that's just a self-defeating prophecy where, yeah, you get to keep the, some of your favorites, but you're never going to go anywhere. And, you know, that's a spot where, the Rangers have kind of been in the last three years where we've been trying to convince ourselves that this team can actually get it done. And you know what? It didn't work. 
uh, for a number of reasons. You know, people can point to Girardi, and it's like overall, it just didn't work out for the Rangers. And you know, I'm not gonna call these guys failures because they they've had an incredible run for the Rangers. There's there's nothing you can do to take away from those guys. It's like it's one of the most successful groups in Rangers history in terms of consistency. They didn't win it, but they were in the mix. And you know, it's it's time to turn the page uh, on this. So uh, I like Vegas. That's a definite spot where uh, you can get uh, uh, some uh, trade value there. And you know the. The Blues need some offensive help. Uh, I mean, Dallas could use, even though they already have uh, Spezza and Sagan, they could use some offensive depth. Uh, you know, there are teams that the Rangers can deal to out west that will, A, get us prospects, and B, still keep us relevant because you're not training it to someone in your own conference. Yeah, the Rangers have deals to make, and they got to make them. Uh, out west, like I said, Vegas has... A great shot of actually making a run here because this is one of the weakest Western Conference years I've seen in quite some time. Uh, you know, I I had some reservations about Nashville, but when they made the cur- uh, the tourist trade, you know, tourists took to that team like lightning in a bottle. I mean, he's he's picked them up. They're gonna be uh, in the Western Conference final. I'm almost guarantee of. Uh, Guarantee you that unless they get some type of major injury, Nashville should be in there. Uh, and like I said, Vegas has an inside track to do it. If they make the moves that they should make to add some a little bit more depth to that roster, they can definitely uh, make it there. And uh, Winnipeg is going to be the uh, the wild card mix in there. Uh, maybe Winnipeg can uh, uh, prove me wrong and uh, make a difference there, but. Uh, like I said, this is one of the weakest years for the Western Conference I've seen. I think the Eastern Conference is going to win the Stanley Cup this year. Uh, it's just a matter of who's going to get uh, to the final uh, uh, to face the West. So uh, that's my NHL uh, recap of the first half of the year so far. Yeah, things could definitely uh, change on a dime in the second half of the year. We'll see how uh, the predictions pan out. I'll start getting into the Super Bowl uh, uh, talk tomorrow. Uh, you know, there's going to be the Pro Bowl. Uh, you got the NHL Skills Competition tonight. Uh, also, uh, the all- NHL All-Star Game itself uh, coming up. Uh, 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 I, I want to say it's 3 o'clock tomorrow with the 3-on-3 three three competition. Uh, but... Uh, you know, the Pro Bowl tomorrow's at 3 p.m., so I'll have my DFS lineups in the saddest competition of the year. Yes, the Pro Bowl is involved, as well as the Super Bowl, so I'll get you my lineups there. Don't expect me to be <laughs> that convinced of these are going to be the, uh, the best picks you can make because, again, it's the Pro Bowl. Jeez, <laughs> make of it what you will. Nobody cares about the Pro Bowl. No one really plays all that hard so it's just a matter of luck if you get the uh the right players to score a touchdown the pro bowl to win uh, a matchup uh, this weekend so uh that's all for now uh have a good uh, saturday everyone and uh look forward to the show tomorrow
It's the most talked about position in all of sports, the quarterback. And now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field, Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach, Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks. Like, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Will dating Danica Patrick distract Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he's dating Danica Patrick, Charlie. We're interested in that, you know? Well, I mean, Tommy's got Giselle. I'll I'll take Giselle, okay? (laughs) Is Dak Prescott good enough to win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys? Which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018? How about intellectually, Charlie, as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now? The game has changed, but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous. Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.